Hello, and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm so happy today to kick off the International Film Festival of Rotterdam coverage with an interview about the landscapes of resistance with its director, Marta Popivada, who spent 10 years researching this documentary and its subject, Sonia Vujanovic, an Auschwitz survivor and anti-fascist resistor and protester. I'm so glad that I get the opportunity to interview you about this film. I want to just say, when I was watching the film, the very first thing that struck me was how much I admired your use of space and sound while you had these gorgeous dissolves going on. Before I even got into the narrative of what was happening with Sonia, I was just really struck by the way that you took these beautiful compositions and had these magical dissolves and the technical craft involved with that, especially with the sequence where you have the choral singing and the poppies. I wondered if you could comment on why you chose to start with landscapes. Mm -hmm. I decided to start with uh, uh, with landscapes uh, because uh, when I met Sonia back in 2007, I was really fascinated by her story, of course, but also the way she's telling the story because I thought that she's producing what we called, what we tried to put the name on uh, verbal images uh, or like this, she produces actually mental images or scenes in our head while um, listening to her stories. And uh, one colleague of mine actually watching a rough had said, uh, it's like seeing two films in the same time. So actually I wanted um, to confront her story and what we see by listening her story with the landscapes where these stories happened. So this was uh, in a way my first um, methodological gesture in the film. And then you mentioned dissolves and um, yeah, it's a very in a way, technical term. But what I wanted to work with is actually um, idea of cubist or constructivist landscapes. I mean, we have this in visual arts, um, and I was thinking um, how I can translate this into time-based media or into cinema. What what would be a, a constructivist landscape in time? You know, how it will evolve, how it would evolve in time. At that point, I started experimenting uh, with uh, these different kind of landscapes. Also, I mean, wanted to make a kind of contribution to landscape cinema because it's not me who <laughs> started this. Uh, I watch a lot of uh, uh, landscape cinema films and I wanted also to go a step further uh, and uh, propose uh, uh, something new. It's absolutely beautiful. And do you mind if I read a quick message from uh, your partner, Anna Vyanovic. Mm -hmm. So definitely, she wrote, how can a landscape speak? It's like wondering whether the grass, the crickets or the pond are only a backdrop to the events, or whether they actually participate in them with their shadows, depths, sounds, waiting to become narrators. And I think that using the cubist constructivist mentality in terms of looking at the forms and the composition within the frame, I think that definitely comes through when you're looking at the architecture of the houses and the ramshackle huts and so forth that you look at later. I think that's wonderful. 
And it's also so interesting because you also talk about how one activism would resonate through another when you then add on sort of a third movie on top of the two movies you've already got going, when you're talking about the more modern story of how you are becoming involved in your own activism through Sonia and how you are meeting her at this point where you are trying to see how all of those activisms connect to each other. And I wondered mm. if you could comment on that. Yeah, it's because, I mean, it's a very interesting question, especially because the whole process lasted for really like more than 10 years. Uh, I met her when I was, I mean, I could say quite young. I already, I mean, I only started studying film, uh, but I was very active uh, also together with my partner at the leftist independent cultural artistic scene in Belgrade and in, in the region of for, former Yugoslavia. Um, and I found her stories and her activism, uh, also her feminism from back then, very, very inspiring and important for me. Also, because at that moment, 10 years ago, speaking about um, like socialist activism or this period of our history, uh, which uh, happened after the Second World War, so socialist uh, uh, Republic of Yugoslavia was a kind of taboo, you know, because, yeah, yeah it was a taboo. And that's why uh, all these women and also, I mean, other people were, were anti-fascist fighters and communists. They were very much marginalized in society if they were still alive and then I met Sonia and for me she was this very powerful figure uh, of a woman who really experienced something um, I mean how to say this <laughs> um, I, I mean huge and uh, uh, I mean I also I'm uh, kind of fascinated with this generation because I think they changed the world and for me uh, this is very important to know that the, it's the, the change is always possible and that the resistance is always possible and that's why um, yeah I'm dealing I mean with her stories and also with this period of our history. And that completely resonates with me and my personal experiences because when I was very little I actually spent time in Yugoslavia as a little girl before it was no longer Yugoslavia. <laughs> and I have thought a lot about how that history and those people I met have been so erased from everything. And it was so wonderful in this film to see that she was represented so clearly and so completely and how much you're recognizing these women for everything mm. that they've done. I think what was even uh, more fascinating for me be is to uh, see like these very old people. I mean, they, when I met Sonia, she was 86. Uh, her partner was also like um, 80 and something. And uh, when we finished the filming, she was 97. <laughs> and we celebrated her 97th birthday together uh, while shooting. Actually, uh, I think because of their political education, which we are very much lacking these days in Serbia, in former Yugoslavia, I would say also, I mean, wider, because how we understand politics is uh, very narrow, I would say, today. So I met these people 
who had, uh, because of their Marxist political education, they could understand the world and what is happening today. Even many other people from their generations uh, somehow lost the power to deal with the contemporary moment in society. And mm. it was something very uh, important for me because I connected to it. I was... Um, I mean, in a way, I wanted to become Sonia when I grew up. So, yeah, so it was, yeah, she was a kind of also uh, uh, a role model. And it's incredible to me, though, to hear that this was filmed over 10 years. I figured it must have been filmed over a great period of time, given how much we see in changing in terms of Sonia within the film, but then also when it comes to the pilgrimages that you're making within the film. I, mm -hmm. I wondered how those felt and at what point in the process each of those pilgrimages happened. I was particularly curious about the pilgrimage to Auschwitz when mm. that happened. Um, I mean, the whole process uh, started in 2007. Uh, and when I first listened to a uh, part of her story, I said uh, immediately to Anna, I proposed like, uh, let's, let's make a film with Sonia, because I think what she has to say is uh, very important and powerful. And I think also this generation is disappearing, literally in front of our eyes. So these memories are disappearing. But then also, uh, then next time when I met her, I already came with the camera and I uh, recorded uh, interviews, we recorded interviews with her over about 10 years. And then at some point in 2017, I um, just felt this urge to finish this film because back then when I started, I also felt I'm too young. I cannot make a good film. I, I, I didn't, uh, yeah, I was not confident about, uh, I wanted this film to be really cinematically also powerful. And um, and then um, in 2017, I also recognized that uh, these stories will resonate even stronger today when we have a rising fascism in Europe and also in other places in, in the world and the right, right wing is uh, becoming much more powerful. I think this story is now even more important to tell. And this is when I started intensively filming with Sonia again, but also uh, doing research and location scouting to find all these uh, landscapes from her stories. So this was, yeah, the beginning uh, of 2016, 17, 18, I came back to the landscapes, I mean, at least twice uh, to certain landscapes. So I filmed, I don't know how much this is visible in the, in the film, but um, in at least three moments in the film, we really uh, confront the same landscape, but in different uh, times, not completely different seasons, but uh, because it would be too obvious somehow, yeah. but uh, we see like this condensed time because also you mentioned it before and you mentioned the quote by Anna. I think uh, this is other aspect of the of the landscape cinema or this film as well is that these landscapes they bear a witness of these events and also they have they in a way have the memory of the world or of this part of the world so that's why it was important for me to to revisit them and visit them more than once did any of these pilgrimages take place after she had died um actually Ah, yeah, you asked me about Auschwitz, uh, and I must say one thing, and this is that <clears throat> none of us was in Auschwitz before this uh, shooting. 
it's quite uh, an interesting um, also fact and also i mean it was a very striking uh, experience and then i decided to go a bit before the shooting in order to have time to reflect but also we did, we didn't want it to be too separate from the shooting because we also wanted to channel this uh, uh, i mean um, yeah um, emotional but also into, i mean um, intellectual reaction to it and uh, how actually it looks like and, and feels like uh, when you are there and one of for me interesting new insights was that it was a kind of factory which used uh, uh, like I mean um, human resources in every possible sense this was uh, yeah this was for me actually very I mean somehow um yeah, emotionally, uh, I mean, new and uh, striking uh, to understand that they really literally use human bodies as a, as a, as a fuel for the yeah. war. Yeah. yeah, in terms of biopolitics, exactly. And to see the individual pieces laid out in the different spots around the camp is just. Mm. When I went there, I was kind of a wreck for days. Uh, mm. afterward, just because of that realization of the way that things were compartmentalized in terms of the factory. But as a memorial space, like I was mm. so impressed that you were able to capture some of that mood and that tone in a way that felt heavier within the film mm. than the other things you were shooting. Yeah, we watched uh, I, around 100 films uh, which feature Auschwitz before we filmed there, and we, before we went there. Yeah, we did um, a very extensive research and preparation for it because um, for me it was also very important to film it in a, in a different way than it was represented by now. I mean, to use the same uh, cinematic methodology, but also, yeah, to, to avoid uh, kind of uh, classical representation of Auschwitz. Um, like the Arbeitmacht frei and... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think also the way Sonia speaks about this part, um, it's completely different than anything that I heard. Also, because she's, uh, you know, she was there as a political prisoner, so she knew why she was there. You know, in a way. Also, the the treatment of political prisoners was was different, mm -hmm. and they had uh, more freedom to think about resistance than, for example. Uh, Jewish prisoners who, as Sonia also said, many of them were sent directly to the crematorium. So for me, it was also new to um, to think about Auschwitz in this way, that resistance was possible in this place, because we always think about Auschwitz as, as a kind of totalitarian place where nothing was possible. Yeah, it's important to say that the status of political prisoners was different, uh, but also it's important to say that there was organized resistance and there, there was organized uh, uh, resistance in the women's part of the camp. And also I think uh, how Sonia describes it, even laughing at some points, it's really uh, also refreshing and um, important. And even laughing to herself about how she's explaining how to use knives is, you know, quite... Yes. <laughs> I mean, I I think what, where I also connected uh, when we started the conversation about how one activism resonates with uh, with another, it's also how she uses concepts and ideas like self-organization, solidarity. I mean, 
certain uh, these ideas she uses in the same way that we use it at the leftist scene in uh, Belgrade and in former Yugoslavia. So I really could directly connect to it, like collective. We organized the collective in the woods. Like immediately it's a collective situation, collective effort. I think she would never have uh, survived if she didn't have her uh, female comrades there who really introduce her to the resistance and also to the ways to survive in such a radical situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's just startling to hear her story. And I wonder for you, what was the part of the whole story in the filming process that you were most anxious to get right? In a way, I was maybe the most interested in uh, in the way, uh, I mean, in the way, in the process of how you become politicized and how you become a communist or anti-fascist fighter. Because I'm interested in this because uh, <laughs> I'm also interested in um, to know how people organized uh, before <laughs> the existence of, for example, social media and all this. Uh, so what were the methods? Because it was illegal back then. So it, it's in the same way I'm interested uh, in queer history and so how people uh, get to know each other back then when it was illegal. So uh, this part of the story, I was maybe the most drawn to. And of course, I wanted to be very cautious and somehow uh, precise about also Auschwitz part to understand why what she mentions and this kind of um, also uh, grit that she shows in relation to this experience, why it was possible, you know, why for her it was possible. And that's why I said, because she was a political prisoner and they had a different status and um, it, uh, she also knew why she was there. So it was not something like, like evil that you don't understand. I mean, of course, you, we should never understand. Yeah. I mean, this evil that happened, I mean, in a way, understand, mean, justify or understand how it came about. I wanted to understand her her position there and her perspective on on this uh, part of the film. And, but this is this is just one part, and uh, it's very strong. And it's very important. But for me, it was also important to make it just one part of her story, not the central part. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think what she did before and how she got involved in the resistance, uh, uh, in the partisan resistance in Yugoslavia, it's also very exciting and crucial to tell. And I love that that's where you started it, that you start it first with the landscapes and with the poppy fields, but then you go to her getting the first leaflets that mm-hmm. talk about this. And I really thought that was a brilliant way to put it together. And then you have another whole layer that exists within the film, though, which is these sketches in white that occur over mm-hmm. top of the landscape. Can you tell me about those sketches? Uh, the sketches, uh, the yeah, the drawings are actually uh, drawings by um, quite famous uh, partisan artist, Pivo Karamatijevic. At some point when I showed the film to some of my colleagues and uh, but from the leftist scene I, I said I'm missing I, there, there is a layer that I would like to add which is a kind of layer of drawings and then uh, I discussed it with uh, Vida Knežević who is uh, uh, also art historian and she was in particularly interested in partisan art and then we actually found these uh, drawings they're all done by one artist uh, and um, I somehow thought when I saw 
many of his drawings that they relate to parts of the story in different ways. I somehow didn't want to explain, I mean, anything about the drawings in more depth. They are associative uh, in relation to the landscapes and, and to, the, to the stories of Sonia. So, yeah. Um, but basically, they, uh, they are drawings of partisan life. And here I am being a jerk making you explain it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're not. I mean, I just don't, yeah. I think they work. They're, they're so fascinating. And especially when they first appear, it's just so intriguing. And it's, it's just another layer that resonates on some level. But you're not necessarily completely mm. aware of how it's resonating. Yes, some people understand, uh, for example, from the film that uh, it's drawings from her sketchbook because uh, Sonia had a little uh, sketchbook that she was, I mean, she had it during the whole time of the war. And she asked always mm -hmm. her comrades and uh, yeah, that uh, they write something in the this small uh, sketchbook uh, or draw something. And actually, uh, one of the ideas uh, to deal with the landscape during the research period uh, was also uh, from one of the drawings in this sketchbook. The drawing was done by um, by an architect, uh, woman architect from Slovenia, who was uh, with Sonia in the camp, and she drew a fence and a gaze over the fence, and uh, and also she wrote "last view of freedom." Uh, and actually, she didn't survive Auschwitz, so for her, it was really this last gaze to freedom. And um, actually this drawing was uh, for me very inspirational to, uh, to deal with the concept of landscape in this film. So some people understood, we see this sketchbook while Sonia is um, yeah, showing to us in the, in the archive footage and DB footage uh, layer. And um, uh, some people somehow connect this uh, sketchbook with the drawings and they think it's, the drawings are from this little schedule. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering that initially, but then I realized at the end of the film that it didn't look the same at all. And so mm. that was why I was pretty sure mm. there was something I was missing. So thank you. Mm. I also wondered, looking back at the film now, when you mm. watch this film now, what images have particular resonance for you? Mm. Maybe the images uh, which, uh, where I went, um, I mean, the most, like, uh, where, where this idea of cubist or constructive landscapes succeeded in a way that we traveled through the space. So maybe these images for me are the most, uh, I mean, the strongest. But on the other hand, yeah, uh, depends which images you have in mind. Do you, do you have uh, verbal images or images that we produced in the film, like cinematic images? So this, this the is cinematic images was yeah. what I was thinking, mm -hmm. but I, but I'm, I would be curious about the other too, now that you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I listened to the to her stories so many times, and um, I chose them, uh, and uh, we composed them, Anna and I, uh, because she was also a dramaturg on the film, in a way that um, they are uh, the most complete as a, as a kind of film scenes. So it's a scene, um, but of course, um, I mean, there is this. Uh, aspect of this idea of womanly side of the war so how Sonia remembers uh, actually it's uh, it's completely different than um, uh, what we know from official 
male patriarchal historical narratives about Second World War. So this idea of womanly side of the war came actually from um, uh, Svetlana Alexey. Yeah, Svetlana Alexandrovich, The Womanly Face of War, yeah. Yeah, and uh, her book is actually called Unwomanly Face of War. Oh, that's right, that's right. I actually have it on my bookshelf. I've read it, I just can't remember the title. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's very close to <laughs> the title. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was very inspirational for us to actually um, realize that uh, how Sonia remembers and uh, how she uh, speak about uh, her experience from the from this period is actually very much into details, uh, how people relate to each other, um, how, how she felt as a woman during the war, like all these things. And uh, it's not just this film. Anna and I are doing a, a more extensive research uh, called Landscapes of Resistance, where we uh, do uh, interviews with, I mean, female um, anti-fascist fighters, mostly now, um, till now, uh, on the territory of former Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. We also made a performance in Ljubljana called the Freedom Landscapes, where we featured more of these materials that we have, some other women. And it's really interesting to hear uh, their stories, like how it's to have a menstruation during the war. I mean, this is also something like very... I can't uh, imagine. (laughs) Yes. I mean, many of them lost their menstruation, but uh, some of them didn't. And so it was, yeah... It's really interesting how also they feel now free at the end of their life to speak about these things and uh, mention these things and how cold it was and how they were like really in a, like, for example, in a dress the whole winter and without shoes and, you know, having a menstruation. So it, it, it was about really experience, like the bodily experience and um, also human experience in terms of like solidarity relations, how people behave with each other in, in opposition in a way or not in opposition, complementary to the kind of macro narrative uh, of official history that uh, that we know from the books so I think yeah it's for me th- this was very precious experience to interview these women get to know them and also hear a kind of backstage <laughs> part of the war <laughs> because everyday lives happen life happens during the war and it's so hard to connect with that especially from a place that's been deconstructed in such a way that it Mm. makes it hard to reconstruct both the people and also the experience that's forgotten through history and boundaries. And it's wonderful to see that you're looking at the landscapes in a boundaryless way, too. Mm. I don't know if you noticed, but there is a, one dramaturgical intervention in the film that I particularly like <laughs> in terms of, uh, like, what does it bring, I mean, or suggest, maybe theoretically, or I don't know, uh, is that Sonia dies, uh, but her story lives, because her story continues after we get to know that she actually died at some point. Uh, in the film. Yeah, this was, yeah, Anna's intervention, which I really wanted to, yeah, real, uh, yeah, how to say this? Yeah, wanted to have it in the film. Yeah. So, yeah. And and that's another sort of boundary that you reach across. And it's, it's very interesting how you mm. manage that structurally. And mm. I think that was a very interesting idea. 
And then I wondered, looking back now on all of your experiences with Sonia and all of the research that you did on this project, how has Sonia and all of the research associated with it informed your activism even beyond filmmaking? Mm-hmm. I mean, back then when we started, we were active at the yeah what what is called the leftist independent cultural artistic scene, and then at some point in our lives, ten years ago, we we really felt um, I mean frustrated uh, uh, in many ways, uh, and um, decided to leave uh, Belgrade. I mean, we didn't leave Belgrade after studies, and uh, we we really invested about ten years of our lives to to change something there. But then when we realized that as a couple, as a lesbian couple, our life is really difficult there and it cannot be um, the way we wanted it, we decided to make a break from the context in a way and uh, maybe... Yeah, more make films or write books in Anna's case. But then actually uh, now in the in the last phase of the film, I think Sonia really inspired a lo- inspired us a lot to come back to the context and get involved again in the in the leftist activist movement. And now we uh, actually joined um, uh, new political for leftist political forces in our local context, because uh, as I mentioned, like the socialist ideas were very much a taboo after Milosevic, uh, who called himself a socialist, but he was actually a nationalist. I think also with our previous film, we uh, somehow intervened into public sphere to, to deep tap, tabuize these ideas and now we also joined um, like um, now there is informing or evolving uh, something w- which is called the radical left party in our country it's um, it's something which is actually uh, like a first entrance of uh, left uh, politics at the mainstream political scene uh, and uh, we are also part of the um, uh, uh, front of women uh, within the party. So yeah, we drawn from this experience of anti-fascist front of women, which existed uh, in socialist Yugoslavia, which was in particularly interested in uh, female communist fighters and women, and also how like the, basically the women's role in this new socialist society. So yeah, this is a a reference for us and and inspiration. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize you were back in Belgrade. No, no, I'm not. But uh, oh, you're not. Okay. No, but uh, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it's um, because this is our context, uh, so yeah. uh, we know it uh, well. And when you know the context well, you can also intervene. So we are. I mean, we are active in um, organizing certain things I and see. so on. But I see. We With, don't within, need that. within. I mean, within a Serbian or ex-Yugoslav context. <laughs> Uh, no, just uh, nowadays, especially during the pandemic, a lot of things are happening also in this uh, online yeah. situation. So it's really not that difficult to contribute to certain uh, discussion, mediatizations and or something like this. So it's really possible to get engaged also. Um, I mean, we also live in between Berlin and Bel- uh, Belgrade, so it's uh, it's not that difficult to, wow. to get part of the scene. That's wonderful, though, in some ways, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the silver lining on the pandemic. 
Yeah, you can actually have an effect in a way that travels more easily. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time, for your work. I I really love the film. I love what you're doing. And do you want to say a word to our listeners about how they can support what you are doing or what they should be doing? Yeah, uh, I mean, it would be great if somehow they get to see the film. And also, even if they don't see it, I think it's very important to join your local struggle uh, for a more equal world, for more solidarity, especially in these days when really people are in a difficult situation also because of the pandemic. So think about uh, your friends, colleagues, um, yeah, your community in a more solitary and gentle way uh, and help each other if you can. But also think about the collective uh, as a whole. Yeah, this is maybe my um, message to, to your listeners. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ariel, for your invitation and for watching the film and uh, for all the uh, inspiring questions. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening, and thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now, and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of lands stolen from the Manahoac people. I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that also reside in Virginia and have made innumerable contributions to our region. I am grateful to work on this land. I acknowledge these facts in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. We will continue making our rounds of the festival circuit with guests from the International Film Festival of Rotterdam. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Podchaser. Doesn't have to be anything fancy, just a simple RTO rocks my socks is good enough. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website omnibusride.com, where you can dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Keep in touch.